Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Coach's Approach podcast, where we take an inside look at the coaching world. As always, I'm your host, George Gresco. Um, this week, we have our uh, Twitter space once again at 8 p.m., uh, where we will discuss hot topics going on in the coaching world. We will do this every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Coach's Approach. Uh, you can also find everything you need to know about the Coach's Approach podcast at thecoachesapproach.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel. Uh, today's episode, Malbasa in Motion, is brought to you by Coach's Dry Rub, the All-American Rub, laid on thick until it sticks. And I'll tell you what, Coach, I Coach Tomba sent me over some of the Coach's Dry Rub last night, and I used it on my dinner and it is phenomenal stuff. So you would definitely have to, I'll have to send you a bottle. But um, Anthony's Family Restaurant in East Lake on the corner of 91 and Vine Street, where together is our favorite place to be, open for dine-in, carry-out, and curbside pickup. Uh, the Well Bar and Grill in Kirtland, come on in for some good food and a great time. Last but not least, G&G Printing, get your custom apparel, printed in seven to 10 days or less, dominate your design. Today in the coach's booth, we have the head football coach of the University School Preppers, Coach Benjamin Melbasa. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Coach Gresco. It's exciting to be here. Absolutely. I'm, I'm super excited to talk about your coaching career and everything that you've put uh, into it. But I kind of want to start off with a very simple question is how did you get your start in coaching? It's a, it's a really interesting process for me, and I'm sure it is for, for every coach. Um, you know, in some ways, there's a really simple answer. I was very fortunate. My senior year in high school, our head basketball coach was Tom Lombardo, um, who's now obviously the head football coach at St. Ed's. Absolutely. Uh, he was 24 at the time. Um, and he knew I was not a very good athlete, but knew I loved sports. And he asked me to be a student coach for him for basketball. I got connected. I loved it. Had a great experience. And eventually ended up transferring back to John Carroll to coach JV basketball for him during my junior year of college. Um, got involved with football in the process. And, and that was really my direct entry. But you know, in a larger sense, I've also known I wanted to coach from a very young age. Uh, you know, Growing up, my parents were incredible. My dad's especially uh, involved in, in my coaching development. The most important people in his world were his coaches. He's from Steubenville, Ohio. Um, he had football, basketball, and baseball coaches who changed his life. Absolutely. And I just knew growing, growing up that that's what I wanted to do. And so between him and Tom Lombardo and Jim Stevens and Jim Garrett, some pretty outstanding teachers and coaches that I was fortunate enough to have, um, yeah, that's, that's what got me hooked. Absolutely. And what a good one to learn from is Lombardo. <laughs> one of the best to do it right now. Um, too funny, but yeah. You know, coaching works in mysterious ways sometimes and how you get connected with people. And then this guy ends up here, this guy ends up somewhere else, and then you end up together at one point or another. Um, coach, uh, you've been a head football coach at four different high schools now, Elyria Catholic, Benedictine, NDCO, and now University School, as we already mentioned. Uh, from each head coaching job, did you do anything different or change everything from job to job? You know what? I, I think absolutely. And, and it might've been the best lesson I learned along the way. Um, you know, I, I've been really fortunate. I, I apply for and received the Elyria Catholic job in 2007. 
with no prior head coaching experience, uh, in part because of connections I made as an assistant when I was at US and an athletic director remembering me as a basketball coach. Um, Barb Salata was my AD at Elyria Catholic. And I, I walk into a great situation. I don't know if you've talked at all. I don't, I don't think he's been on your podcast yet. He'd be a great episode. A guy named Dave McFarland. Okay, uh, an yeah. outstanding, I'll, I'll have to reach out for sure. Outstanding coach uh, in Lorraine County. Dave was my predecessor at EC. Left a program in great shape with some assistant coaches who were deeply connected to the program. I come in, I have some different thoughts. But in general, we had such a supportive group that it would have been really hard to fail. Right. Um, and so we have four really good years. And, and I will say some relationships that have lasted a lifetime. Um, you know, people who I still spend a lot of time with at, at sort of every stage of life. Um, and leave Elyria Catholic in part because I'm driving 50 minutes a day, both, you know, one way uh, <laughs> to Elyria Catholic, living on the east side of Cleveland, the Benedictine job opens. And I take the Benedictine job. And I think I took it because I thought I was supposed to. <laughs> I have enormous respect for the tradition of Benedictine. I mean, if you if you have had any connection to the Bossu family, oh, yeah. we're talking about not only Coach Bossu, but also his son, Frank, who became the president at Benedictine, some of the best people you'll ever meet. And, and yet, I thought, hey, this is a redo of Elyria Catholic, you know, be energetic, be positive, treat people well, and everything goes, goes great, because that was my experience up to that point. And I had some really good coaches, and it went fine. We did a lot of good things to, to get the program on track. At the, at the same time, though, I never communicated very well with my staff what I thought was important. Sure. And, you know, as I look back, it's really important to put the time in to make certain that you have a really coherent philosophy of what one's trying to accomplish in your program. And so when I went to NDCL, it gave me a really good opportunity as a coach to sit down and say, okay, here's what matters to me. And here's how I want to make certain that I bring a staff in that shares that vision. Um, and again, this was not about quality of coaches. I had great coaches everywhere I've been and have great coaches now. But making certain that we participate in the kind of work that it takes to have everyone on the same page in all phases of the game and obviously beyond the game, um, to, to me, became really important. So I had a great, great chance to learn from that when I went to NDCL. And then applied it again at, when I came back back home to U.S. Um, and said, okay, hey, this is what, what I believe in, but this might be what applies slightly different. Catholic school versus, you know, non-religious school. Right. All of those things come into play um, in, in terms of shaping, hey, what, what do you want your program to be? So I, I think the biggest thing that changed for me was, was nothing to do with scheme, even though that's certainly evolved over the years. Um, what, what's evolved the most is, that emphasis on building a staff, creating the communication, and really articulating this is what we want in our program. Um, you know, by the time I got to US, it was really simple. <laughs> we serve the mission of our school 
by preparing and training to compete to become champions. Okay. Uh, I like that. I, I think anytime communication is huge, especially at the high school level, you know, you're dealing with 15 year old kids that can't even bring home a textbook. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. And I, and I love the fact that if, if you put a senior up on stage at, at, at an assembly at us and he talks about his football experience, he'll say at some variation, but he'll get it pretty close to right. We prepare and train to compete, to become champions. No, I like that. That's what we do. Gets me fired um, up, man. <laughs> so that's that, that's how we've evolved. Absolutely, Coach. In your head coaching career, you have been very successful in just about everywhere you've been. What would you What would you say or think is the main reason why you think you've been so successful as a head coach? Look, you know this. I know this. Every coach who comes on here says it, and I think, you know, we we all love coaching, and we all love that one time we make a good call. And we've all had our share of those. But most of those good calls were about having some outstanding players. And and I'll go one step further. Having outstanding players and then having our middle-of-the-road players and our maybe lower-end players have an uncommon level of belief in what we do. Um, and I got to say, you know, the last two years have been a little humbling for, for, for me, you know, and for our program. We had two tough years and we haven't gone through anything like that. Yeah. And if, if there was one takeaway that I had from those two tough years, it was how important it is for your middle of the road player to have confidence in what he does and in what you as a group do. Um, and so, you know, yes, I mean, I, you know, whether it was coaching a Jerome Baker or whether it was uh, Zach Rogers or Richie Baker at Elyria Catholic or Jaden Cunningham here at US, TJ McKiernan at NDCL, we've always had those high end guys. Sure. But they really excelled when their teammates were at a level and we'd prepared them at a level and they bought in a level that allowed them to outcompete the other guys middle of the road. Um, and I just think that's really important. Absolutely. I thought I thought it was pretty cool last night when you said uh, TJ McKeeran said hello to me because I haven't heard from him in, uh, you know, a few years now. But uh, he was one of the first quarterbacks, as I told you last night, that I ever coached. I coached him in uh, CYOU football when I was I was probably still in high school at the time. <laughs> well, so and, you cool. know, TJ is an example of it. You know, a, a very good quarterback I and mean, was an all Ohio level quarterback and an all Ohio level competitor. Sure. Um, you know, would do anything it took to succeed. Jaden Cunningham at U.S., same way. Um, you know, just that I'm going to do whatever it takes right now and whatever my team needs. And when you have that mentality, guys around you buy in yeah. um, and it makes a huge difference. And they, they, they'll feed off that energy. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest reason we've, we've had some success. And I've also gotten to coach with some outstanding coaches uh, along the way. Um you know, the guys I've gotten to coach who've gone on to be head coaches, some guys who've stuck with me all the way through. Um, you know, I think back, Mike Polovasic was with me at Elyria Catholic for four years. And Mike's one of the best best in Cleveland at Padua. He does a great job. Um, you know, I got to coach with Dan LaRocco, who's coached elsewhere and been, been very successful. Uh, Deshaun Washington, who's at Warrensville now. I mean, yeah. when I was at Benedictine, heck, someone who blows me away as a coach, Joe Schaefer, who's now at Texas A&M. <laughs> um, you, you know, and then I've had Brian Kennedy with me 
for the last six years or last eight years at NDCL and here. And, you know, he's, he's a news held coach track of the year coach and in, in track um, and, and does an amazing job with our guys every day. Especially so. when, when you're spending an entire fall together with sometimes you're with that coaching staff more than you are with your family in the yeah. fall. So you better have a good staff that you could, you know, be around and joke around with. You got it. Coach, in 2015, it was a special year for you. You go back to where it all started for you, up in Hunting Valley, your alma mater, uh, home of the preppers, university school. Uh, you were hired as university school's head football coach. What was it like to be back walking the hallways where you once attended school at? You know, first of all, and I've said this elsewhere, I've had two great influences in my life. My parents are just amazing people. Uh, the level of care they've showed for others and their investment in their children was just out of this world and continues to be. And then, and then university school. Um, you know, I, I think it's difficult for someone who's not spent time at US to understand the, the difference of what we do. And that's not a knock on anywhere else I've been. NDCL is a great school. Um, and, and I think has an outstanding academic program. I, I, but when I came back to U.S., I was reminded at U.S., every teacher, in addition to being a subject matter teacher, is also an advisor. You know, each teacher has eight or so students that she or he's responsible for beyond the classroom. When you do parent conferences at U.S., it's not with the math teacher. It's with that advisor. Sure. There's a incredible emphasis at U.S. on personal relationships and personal development. And so to be able to come back and be a part of that and to be able to coach the oldest high school football program in the state of Ohio, our team this fall will be the 133rd team in the history of university school. We have a pretty incredible history. And to do it knowing that when I came back seven or eight years ago, we were at a, a little bit of an inflection point. Our numbers were way down. Sure. We probably were a little ahead of the curve in terms of being nervous about football. And in fact, my first year here, our first practice, nine through 12, we had 28 kids. Wow. <laughs> okay. We had 11 guys that year at the first middle school practice. Hmm. We're now at a point we're going to have 70 guys in our high school program and we're going to have 35 to 40 guys playing middle school football plus a fifth and sixth grade rookie tackle program. And trust me, none of that is anything I did. We were fortunate though, that because we had a little initial success, because I coached some young men who were great at sharing their enthusiasm, we were able to say, Hey, football's valuable. We also did, I think, the smart things that everyone's doing. So this is not, again, unique to us. We've been pretty proactive on the how we practice front, the gear that we use. We were fortunate from a resource standpoint to be able to go with the Vices helmets. Um, but, you know, just this year, we're adding the Guardian caps. I'm looking at the Q caller for our guys right now. Um, you know, so between equipment, practice methods, and enthusiasm, you asked about coming back. Coming back was great. 
being able to make it clear that football is an important part of our community and have parents believe in it and administrators believe in it and you know the whole community that it takes to succeed in football that's been really exciting man you're giving me goosebumps because i you know what when you're part of something so big and everything just starts you know you're knocking check off this list check off this list and you get to that point and it's just so exciting when everything hits on all cylinders and you know what's funny is i was actually about to ask this question and you already said it but i said in an article that i read you said and i quote there has been two great influences in my life my family and university school. So yeah, that was my next question. I was going to say, can you talk a little bit about that quote? Yeah. Well, and, and, and I will expand on it. You know, it, it kind of goes back to what I experienced as a student. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate. My advisor when I was here was a, a longtime athletic director named Tom Callow. Um, the former football coach. He was the AD, was a wrestling coach. Um, and he knew I was passionate about sports and he encouraged it. And, you know, he saw, you know, me as someone who was interested in this path and he helped guide me on that path. Um, when I was a student here and then when I was a young coach, the first assistant coach I had as a freshman football coach was an Ohio High School Football Hall of Fame coach, Cliff Faust. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. And, you know, Cliff at that point was 78 years old. He's now passed. Hey, and, and Cliff was still a student of the game. He still cared about how a young man develops. He cared about how you learn. And, you know, he said, hey, th this is a process every day. And he taught that to me. Um, and there are days he'd give me a hard time, like, Ben, you didn't do enough today um, at a practice or, or after a game. Um, and it meant so much to me that he would take that time. And so, you know, just from a football standpoint, there's been some incredible influence here. And then there's the life standpoint of, of just being around a lot of people who, said, okay, hey, that's what you want to do. Here's how you can grow. Um, and, and I think that's maybe the, the biggest gift any of us can give who are in education, to take the students that we have, see the pathways that they're interested in traveling and help them travel. Absolutely. And Co Coach, as we mentioned, you're coaching at your alma mater right now, but is there any times that you put pressure upon yourself coaching at the school you once attended? Look, it, it, if you're not, you're not human and you shouldn't be coaching. <laughs> and here's the thing. You, you, the reality is it's not like I'm coaching at Maslin and the booster club's going to get angry when something doesn't go well. Um, in this case, the pressure is, you know, imposed very much from, from the inside. Uh, as, I, as I said to one of my friends, you know, last year, I said, as, you know, as, as an alumni of university school, I'm really angry at the head football coach. I use, I think, a little more colorful language. Um, and so, yes, it means a lot. But it also meant a lot to me when I was at Elyria Catholic, when I was at Benedictine, when I was at NDCL. Um, you know, we have this responsibility to the 60 or 70 young men in our program to give them an experience that's going to last a lifetime. And let's face it, we can talk about all the other things, but, but all things being equal, when you win, that experience is probably a little better. Yeah. Um, you know, someone, my dad told me growing up, right, you know, the key to athletics is you learn to, to win with humility and lose with dignity. And he said, but, but let's work on humility more often than dignity. <laughs> um, 
and, and there's truth to that. And so, you know, I think that uh, being at my alma mater, there is a pressure, but I think it's the same pressure we all put on ourselves to want to have our guys experience the best. Sure. Now, coach, how would you define um, a Benjamin Mabasa coached football team? How would you define that? I tell our guys all the time, when we take the field, we at our best are the most enthusiastic football program in the state. We border on being slightly obnoxious. <laughs> when someone plays us, I want us to be playing through the echo of the whistle. I want us to be physical. And I want us to play with a confidence that doesn't go into the area of arrogance, but gets right up to that line. And, and there's an energy and an enthusiasm. And, I, and I'll say this, I think sometimes, and I'm going to sound old for a minute, I'm amazed by the sensitivity that's creeped into coaching. You know, when I was a young coach, I saw older coaches that I admired a lot be fierce competitors for 48 minutes. Hey, and, I, and I actually love it. I go to Steubenville every couple of years because my dad's from there and I know their head coach. For 48 minutes, there's a pretty good chance if you're coaching against Reno Sakach, he's going to yell at you and you're going to yell at him. <laughs> and then after the game, you're going to hug each other. And, and, and I guess I want our players to reflect that for 48 minutes, you can look at somebody as the enemy. You can compete like heck to succeed. And then shake their hands and say, I can't wait to do it again. Right. And, and I, you know, if, if maybe again, I sound old when I say this, I, I think it's something we're losing as a society is that ability to say, hey, for 48 minutes, anything goes. And, and then let's let's go to be together and appreciate each other's efforts afterwards. Right. I love it. I forget what movie I was just watching, and it said something along the lines of 48 minutes, and then they just kept talking about the aggressiveness and this and that, but, it, but I love it. Um, university school for you that uh, don't know listening plays their, all their home games on Saturday afternoons. And I'll tell you, I, I was at East Lake North the first year we played university and or we played them two years straight. We were supposed to have them at home my senior year, but then the schedule got re-switched. So we played university twice at university. But coach, do you think that's an advantage playing on Saturday mornings? You know, it's an advantage when you're good. <laughs> um, and I would say, I think depending on the opponent it's an advantage you know it's not an advantage when you play a really well prepared football team um you know if a coach has experienced it before and they know kind of what to expect i think they they build the day to make it a success for their team but believe me we've had a few games over the years um you know, we, we had one uh, three years ago we played youngstown cheney on a saturday afternoon youngstown cheney was outstanding they had three d1 guys on their team we were injured. We were a little beat up. Uh, we were, I think we were like four and three coming into the game and we beat them, you know, 23, 13 in an outstanding football game. <laughs> um, we played out great football. It took them about a half to wake up. And by then it was too late. Um, and it was, they had never played a Saturday afternoon game. I don't think their coaches knew what to expect. 
And so, you know, we, we probably had an advantage that day. Um, but I don't think we have that advantage the second time we play a team who's done <laughs> it because they learn from it. Um, you know, a few years ago, we had uh, NDCL on a Saturday afternoon and they were very much ready. Um, you know, Andrew does such a great job at, at NDCL. You know, he, he made it like a college game day and, and it was, you know, it was no factor in the day at all. Um, so I think it just depends. Uh, so and like funny. I said, the better we are, the, the more of an advantage it is. Right. And it was so funny because I, I never played a Saturday afternoon game ever in my right. playing career. So we went up there one time and it was a, it was a talked about game. We're both coming in at like eight and one or something like that. Yes, and I, I, I know the game. I know exactly. We got our butts kicked. Game. I mean, it was, yeah. it was me and Tyler Eden at the time. He was the quarterback I, over there. I was just going to say that was a really good U S team. You had Tyler at quarterback. Yep. You had, uh, Paul McKelvey, who was an outstanding, yep. outstanding player. Uh, that was, that might've been part of it. Yeah. And it's funny. Me and Tyler, it's funny. Me and him still joke. He beat me in the regular season, but then we came and played against each other, the news Herald all-star game. And I got him there. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, in our last Twitter space last Thursday, coach, we talked about mental health in sports. This is one of the questions that kind of came up in it. Is there anything that you guys do as a football program to just have some fun and get your players' minds away from football, just away from the football side of things? You know, so I would say two things on that. First of all, it's a really important discussion point. Um, and I think we all need to be aware of it because I see it every day. And I think even coming out of COVID more so, the reality is the young people we are coaching right now are more isolated than ever. Um, in some cases, they spent a year not in school. And we were fortunate we were only out for a little while, but some of them still had to quarantine. They would, you know, different things came up and they'd be out. So we, we do try to mix things into what we do. And that's almost on a daily basis. You know, as, as much as, as I'm a pretty intense coach, we also joke around a lot. We play music at practice. You know, we, we try to do those things to just keep it light. And then there are days we say, hey, we're going to do something different today. We're going to condition in the pool, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think more importantly, you know, we were really fortunate. Four years ago, I started allocating a staff position to Casey White. Casey White's the head girls lacrosse coach at Chagrin Falls, incredibly successful coach. She's 42 years old. She's a lifetime CF survivor. Um, she's head of the national CF board, cystic fibrosis. Um, she, she does our mental preparedness program year round. She sits in on all of our coaches meetings. She spends time in the preseason, in season, postseason with every young man in our program. Okay. And every week we do a little check-in and she'll come to me on Sunday evening. Hey, Ben, there's, there's four or five people you really need to talk to this week or you need to have on your radar. Um, and, and I would just say, if you can do it as a staff, do it. It's the, the best thing you can do to, have the, to help guys on your team who might be struggling. And trust me, she's not a psychologist. We're not, we're not professionals here, but at least it helps us say, Hey, this young man needs a little extra attention. Sure. And I think in some cases we've we've really helped turn around seasons, turn around whole trajectories for a young man who might have been in a spot where he was thinking about quitting, thinking you know things weren't going well. And I really believe in that work. And you know, I, I we could do a whole nother hour at some point on KC, 
Um, and frankly, she's a better interview than me anyways. So. <laughs> um, Coach, in most people's spare time, they go golfing, bowling, they go to the beach. But in your spare time, you practice law. <laughs> uh, why, why or how did studying law come to fruition for you? You know, first of all, I mean, I'm fortunate, just like everybody else, you know, I have spare time and, and enjoy it the same way. But, you know, I, I do keep my law license. Um, you know, I was a young teacher and coach. I was 26 years old. And I said, hey, I've got a chance to go to law school. And I did it. Um, it was a great experience for me. Um, I, I believe that the framework of analysis that you learn in the law is actually very applicable to coaching. I think it made me a better coach. Uh, I'm glad that I get to do some friend and family stuff. Uh, and help out people. And I'm, I'm probably even more glad that over time, there've been some situations where I was able to help a young person or help a person out because I had that degree and because I'm licensed and have been able to, to you know, step in in some key situations. Sure. Um, so I enjoy it. Um, I also enjoy problem solving. I mean, that's what coaching is, right? Oh, uh, oh, yeah. there's, there's problems <laughs> out there and we've got to solve them. And that's really what the law is. Um, whether you're starting a business or, or someone has an issue, you know, you have a problem. Okay, here are the ways we try to solve it. Uh, and anyone, who's, anyone who says it's a lot more complicated than that is, is trying to make you think something that's not true. So, <laughs> Coach, we, we have hit the point in the show, Rapid Fire 7, where I will ask you seven random rapid fire questions. You are to answer them as fast as possible. Coach, are you ready? You've seen how I am with words. This is going to go great. It's good. <laughs> I talk a lot. I'll try to be fast. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. If you were to have one superpower, what would it be? Invisibility. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite pizza topping? Cheese. Does pineapple go on pizza? No. <laughs> what's the worst household chore, laundry or dishes? Dishes, but I do them every night. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. What were, what would you rather have as your best friend, a robot or a dinosaur? Take a robot. The dinosaur is probably going to kill me. <laughs> then would you rather have a time machine or a magic wand? A time machine. <laughs> and I'm going to elaborate on that one. Sure. I think as human beings, we should all assume that most of the great ideas that have ever existed are our own. Yep. And that someone in the future has a time machine and went back in time and stole them from us. So I just want the time machine to be able to go back in time and, and steal it back. For example, I'm convinced I probably came up with the single wing, <laughs> but someone went back in time and stole it from me. I love, Coach, I love it. <laughs> Always good to have a little fun on the show. <laughs> um, coach, as we near the end of the show, I always ask this question every coach that comes on. Who is Coach Melbasa for the listeners and viewers who might not know you? Who is Coach Benjamin Melbasa? At my best, <laughs> I'm a passionate person who, who cares a lot about helping other people develop and reach their goals. Um, and whether that's friends, whether that's people I work with professionally, or whether that's the young people I'm fortunate enough to teach and coach, that's what I love doing. Absolutely. And coach, I want to bring something back up about you being a lawyer. Uh, I would not want to be on your sideline 
as a referee arguing with you on a Friday night. <laughs> I think a lot of referees will agree. You know, part of being passionate, a very good friend of mine, an outstanding coach in his own right and teacher, not a football coach, uh, Bill O'Neill, who's a longtime U.S. teacher, great track and golf coach, multiple state titles. Bill once said to me, our greatest strength can also be our greatest weakness. I'm passionate. I'm intense. And I, and I, one of the things I've, I've tried to get better at over the years is, is not making that passion something that makes working a game on my <laughs> sideline miserable. And, and I know there were times, especially as a younger coach, where I probably veered that way. And I probably still do once in a while. But I think I've tried to get a lot better at the end of the game of making certain someone knows how much I've appreciated their work. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's an important thing. That's pretty funny. You better be nice to that ref because probably four weeks later, you're going to have the same one on yeah, your sideline anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but coach, I, I thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time and uh, I thank you so much. George, thanks for what you're doing. Coach, I think it's a great concept. I, I love the fact that you get to hear a little bit more than the X's and O's with what we do. Um, and, you know, I, again, I, some of the people you've had on, I, I think Coach Hicks and, and what he's done at, at Cleveland Heights as an assistant coach. Um, you know, I know you had coach Mac on too. Um, no, I haven't had Mac on yet. Oh, you haven't my fault. I, I knew yeah. you had coach Hicks though. I had a uh, um, coach Creel. That's probably who you're thinking of. That's right. And, and, you know, coach Creel too, but, but especially what coach Hicks has done, um, you know, we're fortunate in greater Cleveland. There's a lot of outstanding coaches who do more than coach ball. Yep. Uh, and ball's important. Let's not, let's not negate that. But, but what people do beyond the game is, is pretty incredible. And it's, it's really uh, an honor to be a part of it. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Um, and thank you all to all of our approachers that for listening, following, liking, sharing, uh, spreading our coaches, great messages and careers throughout the coaching world. You can also check us out on our website. The coaches has all of our interviews and podcasts uh, right on the website. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Coach's Approach podcast. Please tune in next week. As always, I'm your host, George Gresco, and we'll see you guys later. Welcome to the Coach's Approach, a podcast where we sit down with high school coaches and get the cold, hard facts about the high school coaching world. This is the Coach's Approach, where we talk X's and O's. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is The Coach's Approach, where we talk the X's and O's. Win the day or dominate the day. The choice is yours.